You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. Good afternoon, everyone. Two minutes past three. Welcome to the show. Kimbo and The Roots with you after what was a pretty big weekend of sport. We've got a lot to get across at the moment. We're live from Studio Lumo SA right here at number one King William Street in the city. There was just a fire in the bin out in front of us and... How efficient are our fire services? They came along and squirted a bit of water on it and it was all over and done with. Let's bring in the Roach. Party people! Roach, here he is. Roach, here he is. Hey. Roach, shaka-laka, shaka-laka, Oh, Roachy, Roach, Roach, I thought we were going to have to evacuate. No, no, the boys from the MFS were brilliant, but to the person who set fire to the bin, shame on you. Yeah, if, you're, if you're having a durry, make sure you put, put it, it out, out. Yeah, before you throw it in a bin full of paper. I said what a weekend. Oh, the bit to Winners, talk about. sinners, grinners. <laughs> and perhaps one of the biggest chokes I've ever seen in sport. Or that redefines choke, doesn't it? Is that being harsh? No, you can't be harsh when you, well, to use the line we talked about outside, when you go grabbing defeat from the jaws of victory like, the South Australian women's cricket team did in the T20 final in in Tasmania. That was just... I still look at that scorecard and go, no, that's got to be a misprint. Then you look at the vision you go, no, someone's doctored this. It, this could not have happened. We know absolutely anything can happen wow. in sport. Uh, I was out and about and uh, saw this result. And so I they go to the last over, requiring. They needed four runs off the last over to win. This is in the... 50-over game. Which had been South Australian around yeah, with weather. the DLS system with the weather, yeah. So the SA Scorpions, we've been talking to them over the last couple of weeks, made the final. They were a chance to win the title. Tasmania's won it the last two years. They mm. defeated South Australia twice earlier this year. So we needed just four runs. We had five wickets in hand, Roach. Uh, a young lady was bowling the final over for Tasmania. Uh, her name's Sarah Coit. I would suggest she's more famous now than Russell Coit. Probably. Do you know who Russell Coit is? No. Oh, you're kidding. Who's me. Russell Coit? Oh, come Who on. Who is he? He's the most famous adventurer and camper. Oh, I've got no idea in that world. Yeah, it, he's a comedian on TV. No, no it's idea. It's actually Glenn Robbins. No idea. You've never heard of Russell never. Coit? No. Don't watch free to air TV. No, Kim. no, I know that, Roach. Um, never heard of Russell Ever Coit. Ever since they sacked you, I said, that's it. I'm never watching <laughs> free to air TV again. This is my protest. Don't hold this against me. I'm on your side. I saw a text on the weekend, uh, text, <laughs> something on social media. It said, hashtag, bring back Kimbo to Channel 9. I thought, yeah, The campaign's guilty. still going. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going to talk to the, to the coach of the Scorpions. Yes. And he's been good enough to front up, Luke Williams. Yep, well, uh, that would be gut-wrenching. Well, he would feel helpless, wouldn't he? Uh, it, it has the best to be... instructions you possibly can. But when it's beginning to go pear-shaped, and you know about anxiety in sport... <laughs> 
Once things go pear-shaped, they really go pear-shaped. Oh, and I've been part of one of those performances. We led Norwood by 53 points one day. Um, I reckon it was early in the second term and then got done on the final kick of the day. Mm. Uh, I think this is possibly worse. We'll go through that. Big show coming up. Um, Luke Williams will join us, the coach of the school yep. at 3.50. At 3.32, or round there, Rooch, uh, Mark D- Duffield, former chief footy writer for the West Australian, uh, now on SEN doing mornings in Perth. He'll take us through his take on Frio, West Coast, Adelaide and Port Adelaide. No risk Will Schofield will hijack the call. <laughs> no, only a trial game, Rich. Oh, that's what I'm hoping it is. It's yeah, only a trial game. I've seen some of the comments on social media and uh, some Port people are getting a little bit nervous already. Yeah, there's a lot of Port people who keep getting frustrated that Port can't kick straight and they're concerned about their movement forward. Just a trial game. Uh, yeah. No Zach Butters, uh, no Charlie Dixon. No Darcy Byrne-Jones. Or DBJ. Come back this Thursday against Fremantle. Still, I thought they would have done a little bit yes. better. We get a better indication in next week trial game when the best 23 are picked. We hope we get a better indication. Last year, remember that game against Gold Coast, which we thought, oh, it's only a trial game. But that actually had some warning signals last year in Ports. Well, trial games. But t- true, yeah. but we know that Gold Coast traditionally are always mm. up and about at the yes. start of every season. So you're not worried about West Coast again? They've no, got some players who seem to have lifted their... I will Standards not, considerably I will not over get, the summer. will not get spooked by a oh, trial right, game. okay. Mm. Well, <laughs> you're right. It's just February. And uh, someone has to finish bottom. Yes. I did say it could be the West Coast Eagles. I think I said it would be. But I'm more confident saying they'll be bottom four than top eight. Okay. As per Will Schofield. Uh, Mark Bickley will join us four o'clock. Uh, dual Premiership captain and, of course, co-host of The Brecky Show, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays here in South Australia, along with Jared Walsh. So Bix will cast his eye about, uh, across both the local sides. We'll get his take on it. He's always very, very balanced, Rooch. And uh, we're going to talk to someone. We're still trying to find out who it is from Australia's victorious T20 World Cup. Ah, here's the big question, Kim. So they've... Cleaned up again in the T20. Six out of eight, they've won. Amazing record. So the question was asked straight away, is this Australia's greatest women's sporting team? Greatest. Now, you'd have to say, with that record and their achievements, wherever they go, whatever they do, they keep winning. Okay, if we put them on the podium at number one, who have they replaced as the best women's National sporting team. Well, you're the historian. Oh, that was a question without notice. I don't, I don't know if there's any better records. Oh, I would have thought the Hockey Roos under Rick Charlesworth were famous for winning everything. So well, they have many? to be. Oh, well, they, they won everything, including that famous Sydney Olympic title. which was They won the, six world titles. Well, you don't, they don't have a world title every year. That's the other thing you've got to do the comparison with. But for a decade, they kept winning everything. So do the, do the cricketers replace Charlie's Angels? You'd have to provide some statistical information on that, Rich, before I can give an And then who's third? Who gets the bronze medal on Australia's pedestal of women's sporting teams? All righty, we're live and interactive. Roach is posing that question. The text line is 0427 154 If you'd like to have a chat, it's 1300 736 736. A lot of people texting already, absolutely staggered that you have no idea who Russell Coit is. No, I don't. Well, here's a little bit of Russell. Okay. Around this white brown lad, seen a thing or two from the great out back on the beach. 
Going to get a bit of Russell Gold there, Bumfuck Benny. Well, I don't Not feel like, I don't feel I'm missing anything. No, no. His humour is very, very good indeed, Rich. Oh. No question of that. Let's go around the so grounds. When, when will he go off free to air TV so I can watch him? Yeah. Well, he, Rich, he's everywhere. Everywhere. You've never heard of Glenn Robbins? I've heard of Glenn Robbins. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's one of his most famous characters. Right. Does they have a comb-over moment as well? Oh, I think he might have a bit of that. He has a hat on most <laughs> right, of the time. Okay. All right, let's jump into it. Round the grounds. Yes. Uh, Redbacks are into another one-day final. Amazing stuff by our Redbacks because uh, the one-day cup was proving to be the one that we didn't think they were aiming for after all the other successes they were having. But they got rid of Victoria. In 136 runs, they conceded on that one. 42.3 overs. Vic scored. Nathan McAndrew, three for 22 off his nine, became man of the match. Mm-hmm. And South Australia responded very, very quickly. 26 overs, 137, two wickets lost. Henry Hunt, who had pre- just earlier in the day declared he no longer was to be South Australian captain. Ooh. 63 runs off 70 balls. Pressure was off. Yep. Uh, Texas comes through from Mario. You're like this. Uh, Rucci has no idea about courts. He's more a nude twister man. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> some of Mario's uh, better good. better work. Yeah, there. good. Um, another text just coming through. Colin from Collinswood. Um, hi, Kimbo and Roach. You mentioned how good the MFS was in responding to the bin mm. fire near your studio. Yes. Hopefully, they also made it to extinguish the complete dumpster fire that was the Scorpions in the final on Saturday. Oh, a bit out of their reach. Yeah, um, just one of the great meltdowns that was in in sport. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Mm. Uh, well under the Redbacks, Adelaide United. It was always going to be a big game. We spoke to Carl Viet last week. It was a one-one draw. Have you, got, have you got any Carl Viet audio? Because there's bound to be some from that. Well, there will be. I haven't got that at the moment, Roach. But if he was filthy about the penalty, I think he had every right to be. I'm not qualified mm. in the world look, game. Look, Let's have a listen to it, Roach. Come out. Delivers. The header. Ooh, Javi Lopez. Does he seriously have a chance to win the ball? He'd suggest not. Nevertheless, Chris Beath is a foul committed. About to find out. It's a quick viewing. Penalty. Penalty. Uh, the victory crowd, not a lot of rocket scientists there. They were pretty happy about it, Roach. Well, <laughs> of course they're going to be happy Dinkum. How, he had no play on the ball whatsoever. Mm, yeah, but you don't want you don't want moments in the box. Like you want it, you want any penalty to be clear cut, don't you? You want it to be yeah, clear cut do. so you don't have a debate. Now, when well, it's goals are a premium, aren't they? Yes, but we also want more scoring, don't we, in sport? Not that That's way. What I said. Not that way. Well, not when you've that got, way. When you've got a penalty, you want it to be clear-cut. You want it, don't want it to be described as controversial or dubious. But I keep saying to defenders, why put yourself at risk in the box? Roach, two players ran into each other. Did they run into yes, each other? Yes, they did. You think they yes, ran they into each other? Yes, they did. Mm, I'm not sure Yes, about they that. did. I don't think so. And then one of them takes a big dive and becomes a big sooky la-la, rolls around like his leg's broken in eight places. Oh, no, you're, now you're milking it. Uh, no, he was milking it. You're milking it broken in eight places. Yeah, Roach, you didn't even see it until today when you... He rolled around for ages, carrying oh. on right throughout the whole VAR, VAR process. Yeah, well, that doesn't get up. up in VAR. And I'm not happy again. Too. Why? What, what's well, the bloke that took the, the bloke that took the penalty, uh, Fornaroli. Fornaroli. Yeah. What's he done to you? Well, he's kicked a penalty, whoopee-doo, and yeah. then he's run around doing laps as if he's kicked the greatest goal of all time. I tell you what, the greatest goal of all time came shortly after. Iran Kunda, how good is he? Yeah, that was an absolute beauty. Oh, he, had, he got it to oh, drop. That was more the, than the beauty's underplaying it. Yeah. 
With the uh, pressure that was on. Well, we were playing for second place, so we're still up there, I think, in about equal. Seven games now. without defeat now. All righty. We've got to go to a break, Reach. When we come back, uh, another announcement. Big we'll, news. Uh, we've got two bits of news to go, and then we'll get into the trial games. But some big news coming out of the Richmond Football Club. Mm. That's coming up next. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. 318, just reminded we're heading to Perth. Have a chat to Mark Duffield, who uh, has his own show on SEN over there in the mornings. He's the former chief footy writer for the West Australian Roots, a position you held here at the Advertiser for, what, 30 years? Yes. Good man. Time ago. Mark Duffield, very good man. Uh, was he, uh, is he as polarising as yourself? Ask him yourself. I'm not going to speak for oh, him. I need to get aggressive. Right. Uh, Luke, <laughs> Luke Williams will join us, the coach of the Scorpions. Uh, what a tough pill to swallow, <laughs> losing like that. I would suggest it's still stuck in his throat. Yeah. Mark Bickley, the voice of reason. Be interesting to get his take because he understands exactly how you can get overreactive in the preseason. He's mm. lived a fair few of them himself. Hey, we've had a few texts coming through about have we got any audio from Carl Viet, how yeah. he reacted to that yeah. uh, penalty. Uh, this is after the game on Channel 10. Here's Carl. Yeah, um, look, it's a, it's a tough one to take. Um, very tough one to take. I think um, my opinion is that um, there's most probably only two people in the world that thought that was a penalty. And unfortunately, they're the ones that made the decision. Ooh. I'm with Carl. Yeah, you're on the minority here, Roach. Uh, you've asked a question about sporting teams, uh, the greatest women's sporting team ever. Texas come through. Greatest women's sporting teams, not just women's. Drop the gender, Roach. Just talk about greatest. How many men's team have performed this well? Mm, that's true. That's true. Right. Take that, Roach. Right Another one, Roach. Here we go. Roach. Yes. You do the Australian women's cricket team a disservice by asking if they're the greatest Australian female sports team. Uh, they are a daylight ahead of every other Australian sports team ever, men's or women's. Mm. There's an argument that they are the greatest team in world sport history. Oh, now that's a bigger debate. All right, we'll get into that later, Roach. Let's that's continue around debate. the grounds. There's a big announcement at Richmond today. Jason Castagna, who was already having trouble getting ready for round one with hamstring issues, won't play at all this year. 26 after 134 games, three flags to savour for the rest of his life, has decided that he just doesn't have the passion to go through the demands of another AFL season. So he's retired. That's it. Gone. Gone. Wonder Amazing. I wonder if he'll do a John Farnham. Johnny Farnham. And, make and a reconsider. A year or two. Be hard at that age and the yeah. history he's had. Yep. That is big news. A few injuries at Essendon and Frio. Dyson Heppel left the game against Gold Coast, which was a five-pointer at the weekend with a foot sprain. He's in a moon boot and some considerable doubt as to whether he'll be able to play round one. Not ideal for him, not the end no, of the world. No, And the big recruit for Fremantle, Luke uh -huh. Jackson, who we thought we would see on Thursday when Fremantle plays Port, will not be out there on the park because he took a head knock against Adelaide and they're just benching him. Had some Doing good, the right thing to do once you get ahead. Had off. some good moments against Adelaide. We'll get mm. onto the Crows. They look very impressive. I thought that was the superior of the two trials in terms of game style and ball movement. Yep. We'll address that quickly, Roach. We've got a text here from Costa. He says, lads, I just got back from taking my daughters to the Harry Styles concert in Melbourne. Uh, took my 10-year-old son to Amy Park for the Reds game and loved it. Great experience. Oh, okay. Also, I loved how the Crows forward line operated, even without Tex playing. Can you ask Michelangelo if he's worried about Zach Butters and Charlie Dixon not playing another game? 
I wouldn't be worried about that. Trial games. Well, let's get an update. Here's Nathan Bassett on the return of players this week. Yeah, we'll have a, a few back in. So Charlie Dixon will be back. Uh, Zach Butters will be back. Uh, Darcy Byrne-Jones uh, will be back. So we've got some good experience um, that are sitting on the sidelines that are ready to go next week. Thought it was a scrappy game, the Port-West Coast game. Yeah, and then there'll be a lot of questions about the way Port still moves the ball, particularly to their forwards. You know, once Charlie Dixon's back in there, it makes an enormous difference. But it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a forward system that's based around just having Charlie Dixon out there, particularly just when you look at the talent they have put together in that attack now. If you're a Port supporter, give us your views mm. on the trial game. Uh, not a great deal of concern. I thought they would have gone a little bit better, but uh, very, a, very much a trial yeah. game, that one. How do you read them? How do you read trial games? Um well, Nathan Verlo, Van Berlo will mm. give his opinion. Um, I thought Adelaide were really good because it was fast game of football. Fremantle were up and about. They absolutely smashed Adelaide in the first 15 minutes of the game. Mm. Smashed them. And I thought Adelaide looked so disorganised in the midfield. Straight away, only a trial game. I'm thinking yeah, yeah, they've got yeah. the mixture wrong, Rooch. Yeah, okay. And then they addressed those problems. Uh, yeah. BB gave it a big tick, the practice game. Biggest tick would have been uh, particularly response after quarter time because I think it was minus 11 clearance in that first quarter. We only had basic stats today, but just to, it felt like that as well, that we just couldn't get our hands on it, weren't cleaning around the contest. And probably more so in that second half, we saw more of the footy we wanted to play with time in our forward half. Uh, got some result from centre bounce, which allowed us to play that sort of game and off the back of our pressure and, and contest work, um, looked more of the sort of game that we wanted to play. and. Um, we've done a lot of work with you know, team defence and offence. We saw some good signs in that space, but if you look at the, probably the second half in, in isolation, it's like that's, that's sort of the brand we want to be playing. So how did they get the momentum back in the first term after being smashed early? Yeah, there were. We made some, some adjustments around the footy um, with the way that we structured up. And um, to be honest, a bit of it was, was mindset, our ability to, to create some pressure on the opposition, to be a bit cleaner in and around the contest. Um, and, and, and stick some tackles really was what the hallmark of our game has been built around the last couple of years and this year is going to be no different. So when we're able to impart that bit of pressure on Frio, um, yeah, took a bit away from them but allowed us to play the game on our terms more often than not. The former skipper caught me by surprise playing on a wing. Could he be the replacement for Paul Seedsman? Doesn't have thought. the leg speed. Yeah. Um, but gee, he was pretty good. Will he start in round one? Yeah, I've been really pleased these last couple of weeks. We'll have another hit out next week and we'll look building into round one. But from a conditioning and preparation point of view, we'll have those discussions with Burjo and his team and obviously Nixon and the match committee to say where that sits. But I know he's really confident in his body and his body of work that he's put in leading in. So it's, it's positive signs for him for sure. He has so far, yeah, absolutely. And another former captain, Taylor Walker, turned up in Perth today to join the crew after being given that weekend off, so he'll be playing against West Coast. It'll be interesting to watch how that all that'll be a good comes game. together. Yeah. And that'll be a, a real game of footy in terms of uh, not the seven periods. Yeah, and yeah, we need to see it actually be more like what round one's all about mm. so we can get some greater judgment on what, what is happening leading into the premiership season. If you're a Crow supporter, it's pretty exciting to see Rochelle out there and Isaac yes. Rankin who was yep. up and about. And uh, I can tell you the fog is the real deal. We'll Ooh. hear from Josh Rochelle next. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Rooch. 
Nearly 3.31 on a Monday afternoon. We're live and interactive. You can send your thoughts via text on 0427154166. Mark Duffield coming up after the news. He's the coach of the SA Scorpions. He lost the unlosable on Saturday afternoon. Historic evening, Rooch. Um, oh, sorry. Did I say Luke Williams or Mark Duffield then? Both. Did I Mark Duffield coming up next? next Luke Williams yeah. at three fifty. Mm. Uh, Mark Williams coming up at four. No, uh, I know you've mixed the two of them together. Oh yeah, I have. I've got right no idea what right I'm saying, Rich, because we're late. What for do the you news. want to say though? Uh, it doesn't matter. I don't think it wasn't <laughs> that important. But I, I'd like to hear from Josh Rochelle <laughs> on the difference between this year's preseason to last year. I think the big one for my for my focus this preseason was get my body right. Obviously with the, the hip injuries last year, um, just getting really strong around that area, um, having more of a recovery base. Um, so that was a main thing, and then obviously just improving on the fitness to, to push in the midfield. Alrighty, I did confuse myself, Roach. I thought we were talking to Luke Williams next, but we're talking to Mark Duffield next. We're heading to Perth. That's coming up after the news. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. 3.36 on a Monday afternoon. We're live from Studio Lumo SA right here at number one King William Street in the city. Mark Bickley coming up after four o'clock. Looking forward to having a chat to him and the coach of the SA Scorpions, Luke Williams, at around 3.50. Hey, good text has come through, Roach. It says, Roochie, you big spanner. <laughs> Who will kick more goals as a combination, Rochelle and Rankin or Rioli and Raz? That's a ratio. That's okay. Ethel from Ethel. And we'll Hello, get Ethel. to that later. Ooh, okay. I'll give you time to think about it. We're heading west now to a man that uh, has a similar career path to you, Rouge. Not as polarising, a little more balanced, I would Should suggest. Should have won every national award in the mid-2000s for his coverage of Ben Cousins. He was the chief football writer of the West Australian yes. in WA. He now has his own show on SEN and has since November. SEN Mornings, you can hear it at 10.30am South Australian time. Uh, Mark Duffield joins us. Duff, thanks for your time. Hey, guys. Good to be on your show. Uh, who was the better journo, yourself or Roach? Oh, that's unfair. I oh, know. Roach had me covered. Yeah. <laughs> unfair. Unfair. No, he, he, he didn't that. care who he destroyed, Roach. He had a brutal streak <laughs> oh, in him, didn't he? He, he didn't. <laughs> the thing about Roach is he, he didn't rest until he defended everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah, that's it. That's true. That is I love true. it. Well, we thought we'd get a yeah, balanced view it. from you. We're hearing a lot of things about the two <laughs> WA sides, and you're up against our two South Australian sides. Uh, the results... Um, didn't really expect the Eagles to get over the top of Port Adelaide, even mm. though it was a trial game. Eight points in that. And I thought Adelaide were fairly impressive against Fremantle, but there were good signs for the Dockers. What's the take over there? What did you get out of it? Firstly, for your two sides. Um, I thought West Coast were okay. I thought Port Adelaide probably had the better of the midfield battle for a lot of the night, um, but West Coast defence held up pretty well. Um, and their forward line was pretty efficient. I thought they had a couple of standout players, West Coast. Um, I think Elliot Yo is really, really going well in the midfield and looks back to his best, and that's going to be a significant uh, thing for them. And I reckon you, you've talked about a few small forwards there I heard in the lead-in while I was waiting to come on. Well, mm. i tell you what, there's a, there's a small forward playing for West Coast. It wouldn't be a bad bet for all Australian. Liam Ryan is flying. He's, mm. like, he's been like that every time I've seen him. Uh, when they'd kick six on Friday night, he had um, three goal assists and, and one goal. Um, he's in really good nick, so I think um, he's in pretty good shape. But I do think, um, t- 
to put a ceiling on West Coast mo- what they might be able to do. I think um, um, I think if their their experienced players get up and going and play well and they stay fit, then I think they can crawl into the bottom end of the eight. But I guess the question is, mm. in the longer term, given that they do have some young talent, we saw Elijah Hewitt step up and kick a pretty big goal for them right at the end of the game the other night. It may be better for them in terms of what they would wish for if um, yeah. if Hewitt, Ruben Jinby, who didn't play the other night, uh, and a couple of others, Campbell Chesser, they get good game time and, and wherever they finish on the ladder, that they finish the year better place to push onwards and upwards next year. So yeah. that's them. Duff, just for the um, sake of transparency, right, uh, I did say last week that West Coast Eagles will finish bottom, so I just thought I'd come clean with that one. Yeah, I don't think they'll be that bad, um, but I but I I won't have them in my eight. I mean, I didn't have them yeah. in my eight last year, and um, even you know disregarding all the COVID and injury um, chaos that they suffered, um, they're all you know well they're their class players, if you like, are all a year older. So um, I think that'll, it'll be difficult for them to get all the way there. Um, I think Fremantle are in pretty good shape. I think they'll be a bit disappointed being beaten by Adelaide, and that's not to disrespect the Crows, but the games over here in Adelaide were, you know, towards the bottom last year and Freo were in the top six. So um, the big unsolved riddle for Fremantle, I think, is the forward line. And mm. so the good mm. signs there were, were um, Nathan Five kicking three, and he kicked three in the previous match simulation that's that's promising um luke jackson looked reasonable forward and good in the ruck so that's promising but i do think um to push any further up than they were last year they're going to be expecting a lot of jai amis who at the end of the day is a 19 year old in his second season of afl football so i i I tend to think Fremantle will plateau a bit this year um and I, i kind of didn't see anything the other night against adelaide to to dissuade me from that i i think I'd be surprised if they didn't play finals, but I'd also be surprised if they were alive any further than the second week of the finals. I think the big push may come next year rather than this year. We've all been surprised with West Coast and the demise of whether it be for COVID, whether it be injuries, whether it be list management decisions. But like everyone keeps pointing out there's some great names on the list, not that names mean anything after a while. What pennies dropped with the Eagles over the summer? Well, I think they... I think... Adam Simpson placed a lot of trust in his premiership players yeah. from 2018, and I think a few of I, feel, I think a few of them dropped the ball. Mm. Um, it, like it's, um, they didn't like what Kane Corns had to say about them last year, but it's impossible to n- not notice the difference in their in the physical shapes of five or six players this year compared to last year. Mm. Um, now. I cut Elliot Yo some slack because he battled osteitis pubis for two seasons and then mm. ripped a calf in the preseason last year. So his ability to get workload into him uh, was very limited. But but there's a few others, you know. Um, Jeremy McGovern was in pretty good nick last year, but he's even slimmer and fitter this year. I think um, Tim Kelly is clearly slimmer and fitter. Uh, Liam Ryan is clearly slimmer and fitter. You know, there's there's four or five or six guys in that in that bracket. And um, Luke Shuey did say in a pre-season press conference, he said, you know, there was a lot of criticism. And he said, where there's smoke, there's usually some fire. So there's been a bit of a, you know, a, a concession about that, that maybe they weren't working as hard as they, they could have. It's a bit like that joke, Roots. You know, I didn't know you drank until you came home sober. Yeah. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe they didn't know they were unfit until they got really fit. And um, so I think their standards have, resumed where they should be on that front. 
but they you know they're a fair age there's a few of them that are injury prone I, I went to watch some train today mm. Luke Shuey wasn't out there. He didn't play against Port. He didn't play in the match simulation the previous week. That's not the normal preparation mm. leading into, you know, round one. So, therefore, you think there's a problem there. Nick Nat. And given that he's, uh, Nick's got a, a, an Achilles problem that's flared up, they're trying to manage that. But, again, <coughs> excuse me, it's not great when you're managing before you've even no. played an oh, opponent. No. And um, I think that's not a great sign. So, that they're the things that are going to bother them through the course of the year. Jack Darling, I saw him. He was out there kicking on the second oval that they've got down there at the Taj Mahal at, uh, mm. at Mineral Resources Park. But um, I don't see him getting up for round one based on what I saw today. And I just like the look of their kids. I, uh, Jinby, we've, you probably haven't seen him yet, but um, he looks really good. You don't see many first-year kids with his sort of physique and his ability to run and use the ball and break lines I think he's going to be a very good player um, Hewitt just a couple of moments the other night you know were just exceptional he's he's been an exceptional player in a Waffle Colts final series mm. and um, and I think he's a player that they can look forward to good things from and and Chessa um, Chessa didn't play in 2020 because of the COVID shutdown in Victoria he didn't play we played about five games, I reckon, in 2021 because of an injury, and then he didn't play at all last year. So for him to be running around and doing what he's doing um, this preseason, particularly in some competitive um, situations, I think suggests that he's going to be a pretty good player. So I like them, but um, uh, I don't know whether their established stars can get them any further than mid-table. Hey, Duff, we need to go to a break just quickly on what you've seen and your 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 take on where Port and the Crows will finish this year? I really like Port's midfield. Um, I think Horn Francis looked great. I mean, Rosie's a terrific player. Butters wasn't out there. Um, I think they'll be around the mark. You know, they, they should really play finals. I think Adelaide will, will climb a bit, but I'm not sure that they can climb far enough to get in the eight, given how hot the competition for that top eight is going to be. Mm. Mark, really appreciate you jumping on the phone for us today. We'll watch next week with great interest. It'll be a hell of a lot more serious than what we saw on the weekend, but I thought the Fremantle-Adelaide game was the superior of the two trials. Fair call? Uh, well, to be honest, I only saw one of them, mate. I was driving to, um, I was driving to um, Mineral Resources Park when the other one was on, so I've only seen the highlights. Um, I would say, look, I didn't mind the, the Port-West Coast game. The lights in those suburban grounds aren't always great. So often the standard drops off a bit because of that. So, no, I think, um, and I'll tell you what, this time last year, West Coast played a game and lost three players for the year in five minutes. So yeah. whether yeah. their standard yeah. was higher or lower than Fremantle, they'll just take the clean bill of health coming exactly. out of it, I think, at this <laughs> stage. Really appreciate your time, Mark. Mark Duffield there from SEN Mornings. A few texts coming through, Roach. Uh, I, I thought the Crows... Fremantle game was a lot quicker game, a little bit cleaner, and I watched most of both. Now, this one is from Chris at Wool Bay. He says, G'day, fellas. I'm apprehensive looking forward for Port with their poor skill set delivering into the 50. There's that text. Yeah, and a lack of a specialist fullback. Mm. Preseason hype is horrible. Okay, we'll see mm. what happens against Fremantle on Thursday. Yeah. Oh, a bit look more to put in the evidence bank. I've uh, still got Port in the uh, top eight. Nothing to change my mind yet, Roach. And here's another one. Is this Tim Tampauli? It is. G'day, Paulie. 
Guys, Matt Crouch still holds Hello. up the ball far too long. So many times he did <laughs> oh. it on the weekend, driving me crazy from Tim Tam Pauly. Well, he, he played nearly all seven periods and had 130-odd touches. Okay, <laughs> right. A little bit of mayo there. Yeah. Hey, we'll take a break. Then we're going to talk about uh, mm. something to a gentleman that probably doesn't want to talk no, about he it. he doesn't want to relive this. Coach moment. of the SA Scorpions, Luke Williams, up next. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. Three fifty-two. Appreciate your company. A number of texts coming through on zero four two seven one five four one double six. We'll get to that text from a little earlier. Roach, who will kick the most goals? Raz, Arazio, and Rioli, or Rochelle and Rankin. It's an interesting discussion. That one. As to is our next Roach. Um, well, it really was the unlosable game, wasn't well, it? Well, gamble responsibly. If you were running a betting house, Kim. Mm-hmm. And you get to the end of the 46th over because of the reduced um, count on the Duckworth Lewis system. And you've got South Australia needing four runs, five wickets in hand, six balls to face. What were the odds you'd give the Scorpions? Oh, well, they were uh, they were in the box seat. There's no doubt about that. 101? Not uh, even 101, would look, it? Look, our next guest will not want to hear what no. we're about to play, but this is what unfolded with uh, five of the six deliveries in the last over. Uh, the South Aussies needed just four runs to win the title. Sarah Coit down the wicket and she is bold. Oh boy. Coit's in. Asby is stopped. She's out. She's out. She's been stopped by Emma Maddox Jeeves. Can you believe this? It's Wilson, the teenager. She faces Coit. And she hits it hard. It's off the road. It's out again. Can you believe this? Can you believe it? That is ricocheted off the outstretched hand of Sarah Coit. Wellington, now she's hit again on the pads, and she's out! Oh, she's out! This is extraordinary! It's Coit to Mashangwe, and she hits it hard. It's up to mid-off. It's a single, and it won't be enough. The Tigers have won it! They've gone back-to-back. Can you believe that? Well, we can't believe it, and we often hear it. Anything can happen in sport. Uh, Let's see what the coach thinks of it now. He's had a little bit of time to digest it, 48 hours. Hey, Luke, we really appreciate you coming on. Can you believe what took place? Uh, no, I, I probably still can't believe it. Um, yeah, I haven't watched any sort of um, any footage um, yet, but uh, yeah, it's um, been interesting for the last 36, 48 hours. It's certainly in a in a very, very, very strong position with with an over to go, and unfortunately, it um, it, it went sort of downhill from from there. So um, yeah, it's been a been a really disappointing um, last day or two trying to take stock of it. Oh, it would be absolutely gut-wrenching. Mm. I would imagine you are still shell-shocked, not to mention how the players are feeling. Uh, apart from the Amanda Jade Wellington run-out, the deflection off the bowler's arm, um, take us through what was happening in the bunker because did panic set in? Yeah, potentially. I think um, it, was a, it was a strange game. There was sort of the threat of we went off a couple of times for rain and um, for a lot of the, the batting innings, we were sort of chasing two targets. One was um, the, the overall score and another one was keeping an eye on the, the Duckworth-Lewis mm. um, score throughout the, the run chase. So it was sort of a it was a really, I guess, high-pressure chase, having those sort of two things going for, for several hours with, 
with the rain and, and those sort of things. Um, so up until probably an over to go, I was, we were so pleased with, with how we'd handled that and, and got ourselves into, into that position. But, but potentially the first wickets and, and then from there, um, the, the pressure sort of rises in with the, the high stakes in a, in a final. And um, unfortunately, we, we didn't quite have the answers in that, in that, in that moment. Like when you reflect on it, which is the moment in that last over when the anxiety works in the wrong way for the Scorpions? Um, I think once um, I think once um, obviously Annie was out on the I think the first ball, and, yeah. and then once Gemma, the other set batter, was was out. I think from there we, we sort of knew there was a real <laughs> a real contest on our hands um, from there, and, and then when the the run out off the the bowler's hands from from there. Um, it, it really started to, to snowball, but um, yeah, we certainly didn't. Um, I guess think we were definitely across the line, and you lose that first wicket on the um, in the last over, and, and then from there the, the anxiety does raise, and, and unfortunately, as I said, we we didn't quite have the answers on the on the day. So, is there time to to give messaging in that last over? Yeah, there's certainly some some. Um, little messages that, that went out at, at different times, but um, again, it's um, no matter how much you've, I guess, you've trained in, in those sort of things, and um, certainly different scenarios and those sort of things. This one was quite, quite unique, and um, yeah, we're gonna. It's a pretty painful lesson, but we're gonna learn a lot from it, and uh, hopefully, we're we're good enough to to get another opportunity in a in a final, and. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get across the line in, in that one. Well, Luca, you played a lot of cricket. You played first-class cricket for South Australia on five occasions. Have you seen anything like that before? <laughs> it, it, it's just uh, it's just got everyone absolutely staggered. Yeah, no, nah, I don't think I've ever seen it to, to that extent. It's certainly um, end of games and, and those sort of things, but um, the extent of of this one with, with five wickets in the in the last over, Um mm. Was yeah, was certainly remarkable, and, and probably in a way it was it's magnified by by how well um, several of our batters had, had done in the run chase up until that point, um, how well they played, and and how calm we'd been, and, and how in control we'd, we'd sort of been. Um, that um, perhaps didn't expect it to to end like that, but um, yeah, certainly a remarkable um, game of cricket, and. Um, yeah, can understand. There's lots of interest yeah, in it, well, which yeah, um, and, and I guess for the. You're right, though. We do forget about some of the performances by Courtney Webb and Emma uh, De Bruges or De Brogue. Do I say that? Yeah, De Bruyne. De Bruyne, yep. yeah. 68 off 102 and Courtney made 83 off 107, Rich. Uh, Luke, you've got now the challenge of, as you say, making this team learn from it. But what about the human element of how they just deal with the pain of what has been the most extraordinary defeat ever? How do you deal with that human element? Yeah, not not 100 percent sure yet. It's it's trying to stay connected and um, I guess talk through how how everyone's feeling and um, I guess for for some individuals that are um, were potentially involved in that in that last over, yeah, talking through the situation and, yeah. and knowing how much um, yeah, knowing what they're thinking. But um, at the moment, it's sort of a, a day at the time we're we're catching up again tonight as a as a group and um, yeah, it's still pretty raw. So. Um, I'm not sure we're ever going to 100% make sense for them, no matter how long um, time passes. But, um, yeah, we'll keep keep talking about it and, and hang in there and um, look forward to another opportunity. Now, you said you haven't watched it back yet. I'm not sure if there's any right or wrong answer here. We've spoken to Malcolm Blight about it before, but we know about the Crows when they, they lost the game and everyone expected them to win against Richmond and then Port back in 
2000 first showdown. Yeah, yeah. 2007 grand final, Richard. Yeah. Um, yeah, so will you address it? Will you go through it? Will you make the girls watch it? Oh, I think um, we'll definitely talk about it at some stage at the at the right time. But um, yeah, I don't think we'll I don't think we'll we'll sit down and, and watch every every ball or anything anything like that. I think um, what played out is unfortunately pretty clear in everyone's mind that mm. was that was there. So. Um, yeah, I don't think we'll we'll sit down and watch it hey, look, um, at all, but uh, we'll keep talking about it and um, keep hanging in there. We really appreciate you jumping on today, not under the best circumstances. Look, it was a winning season without the title. It was so close, but uh, we appreciate your time today and we wish the girls all the best. We've had Amanda Jade Wellington on a few times. She's an absolute ripper. So uh, chin up and reload for next year. Thanks, guys. Cheers for that. Luke Williams there. It'd have to be awful to watch back, wouldn't it? If you were the yeah, if you were the batters involved. Yeah, but now they're fascinating to watch as to how they move on to the next and they've got to wait a long time, Kim, mm. to the next moment. Tell you everyone's having their two bottles. But, how, how do you, but that's a great question. How do you do do you go ball by ball and say, Well, let's pack this away by just once and for all watching it? Or do you do the blighty theme? Well, look, you're not going to change it. So let's move on to the next oh, I would rather do it as a collective. I think we live in a new world now. You'd sit there. Otherwise, people can fracture. Yeah, I'm not saying Which is what happened at Port in 2007. Yeah, I'm not saying it yeah. would happen, but someone will say, uh, so-and-so is our most experienced player. What was she thinking playing yeah, that shot? Yeah. If you sit there together and if Have the player, player is there and says, oh, look, I'll take ownership for that. That was mm. a rush of blood. Mm. I should have known better. Yep. Then you move on. I think that's the best way. Yep. But I've never coached Roach. Here we go. Talking of coaching, <laughs> though, have a look at this. Uh, yeah. Can you guys please tell me what part of the game, there's a text, mm. uh, Riley O'Brien excels at to warrant selection week in, week out? Before you answer height, leadership, endurance, and a good bloke, they are not skills. He is a liability around the ground wow. and average at centre bounces. Himmelberg and Thilthorpe both outperformed him. So it's interesting okay. at the selection table. I don't think he'll be left out, but they can't play all three, not with Walker and Fogarty but and McAdam. A, but it is a very good question about the merit of Ruckman when they're not in Ruck. And if you listen to Nathan Buckley, he goes on that we overrate Ruckman and we shouldn't mm. make such a big deal about it. And then that text message emphasises again, you are one of 18 on the field and you should be more than a, to use a very, very harsh term, pop-up sprinkler who just competes at rut contests. Yeah, very much so. And that is very timely, that text. We'll pose yeah. that to Mark Bickley because he is up next. Mm. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Rooch. I'm still full of the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail, that's what 18 clubs are chasing this year, Rooch. One man picked it up twice. He did. Successive years. 97, 98. Yes, well done, Mark Bickley. Made him a legend, it made him godlike. 
Do you think it affects Godlike. Him? Yeah. I think very that's much stretching so. it ahead a bit too far. Well, in the eyes of some, Roach. Oh, but he's always stayed very humble. He's I an absolute that's beauty. That's my point on that. Yeah. He's the co-host of the Brecky Show here in SA. You can hear him Tuesday, Wednesdays and Thursdays with Jared Walsh. He's also part of our footy coverage this year. Looking yep. forward to being back in the box with Bix. Mark Bickley joins us. Hello, Bix. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? You were you were larger than life in 97 and 98, weren't you? You would have been work, walking on air back in those days. Well, I was certainly pinching myself, uh, but at the same time, I certainly didn't think it would be whatever it is, 25 years yeah. later, and, the, and yeah. uh, they wouldn't have saluted since. So that, that's unfortunate, mm. even though they've probably had two or three really good opportunities mm. to do so. They haven't quite made the most of them, but anyway, I think... We had a little bit of luck during that period and the luck has deserted them ever since. But I think most Crows fans are hoping that they're going to, I guess, progress and move a little bit closer to uh, playing finals again. I'm not sure if they're going to get there this year, but they're, they're hoping that the trajectory is going to continue upward uh, again in 2023. I'm not sure how much you saw on the weekend with both of the games, the Port West Coast game and Adelaide as well. Uh, I thought Adelaide were quite impressive after a really slow start. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, I saw... I reckon I watched six of the uh, the seven quarters of mm. uh, the Adelaide game and, and I was sort of flicking back and forth with the Port Adelaide game, so it wasn't quite as in-depth with that. But, yeah, the first 11 minutes, uh, Adelaide oh. didn't have an inside 50. And uh, I'll tell you what, if, if Matthew Nix's heart rate didn't uh, elevate or wasn't elevated during that time, I'd be a little bit surprised because they just could not get their hands on the footy in the middle of the ground, which is... Uh, one of the concerns I think you know some people have, and but pretty much after that they settled down a bit. Their pressure was still there from last year. They actually won the footy a bit, and and for me one of the highlights was they were they were fairly efficient going forward. They uh, their entry kicks were pretty good. They tried to move the ball a bit more quickly, and and blokes like Rankin who uh, were able to get on the on the scoreboard. You know, obviously he's a new player, and everyone's wondering what sort of impact he's going to have. Well, he's played two games and. I think he's kicked, what, eight goals now. So um, that's a fairly positive start to a new club. All right. You've been a selector. You've been an assistant coach and you've coached at the highest level. This text came through. We want your thoughts on this. Guys, can you please tell me what part of the game Riley O'Brien excels at to warrant selection week in, week out? Before you answer height, leadership, endurance and a good bloke, they are not skills. He is a liability around the ground and average at centre bounces. Himmelberg and Thilthorpe both outperformed him. Um, how many big men do you play, and is that harsh, or should he be there every week? Well, look, I think it, it's harsh in some respects, uh, but I think uh, what we've seen with uh, Himmelberg uh, doing a, a fairly solid pre-season and doing a lot of ruck work, we know Phil Thorpe, they have spoken about, this is the Adelaide coaching staff, about wanting to release him a bit more up the ground uh, and then you've got Riley O'Brien. Now, Riley O'Brien gets his hands to the ball a lot. Uh, and I think at, certainly at, at boundary throwing, he's really effective. So if you look at his hit-outs to advantage, most of them come by him sort of parking himself in front and then sort of putting it down the throat of, of some of the Adelaide on-ballers. But centre bounce, he wins the hit-outs, but I don't think he's as effective as, as putting it to advantage to the Adelaide midfielders in the centre bounce. So... I think what Adelaide may be speculating with, well, if we play Phil Thorpe and Himmelberg, we might not win as many taps in the centre bounce. But you know what? If our midfielders are effective and they're perhaps not being as aggressive to you know, thinking they're going to win the tap, mm. they might be able to get the same amount of share of clearances 
But then once the ball hits the ground uh, and around the ground and up forward, then you've got Himmelberg and Thilthorpe who are you know more effective than, than what O'Brien is. The only thing I'll say is there was a great example in the, 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 the scratch match that Adelaide played the week before where Himmelberg was a, was a ruckman in the, uh, the, the probable side in the second half. Both uh, Himmelberg and O'Brien switched. O'Brien was in the, the possibles. And there was a quick transference of play, and Himmelberg was sort of working back. Anyway, the ball went in long to the goal square, and Himmelberg just didn't get there. He was probably 10 or 15 metres away, and there was a one-on-one contest. And in the end, I think Riley O'Brien may have marked it or, or, or should have marked it. But that's the difference between O'Brien and Himmelberg. O'Brien busts his boiler. If that was O'Brien, he covers that ground, he gets there, and he just knocks that pack over, and he spoils the ball, and it goes out of bounds or through for a behind. Himmelberg just doesn't have that same ability to push himself, to will himself to get to those contests. So that's going to be the challenge for Elliot. You know, hence his nickname, the Big Easy. You know, mm, like he... Yep. And I think they've changed it now to call him Dragon. So it's a little bit different. Okay. I didn't want <laughs> okay. that. Big yeah. Because, uh, you know, it's this laconic nature that says, oh, well, you know, whatever. And he's... He can is that, get is that really his nature, though, Bix? Is that really his nature? I thought the big easy what? was because he's got that laconic running style and now, it's more well, with his movement. I don't know. When I look at him, um, and, and sometimes it's it's a uh, it's an unfortunate <laughs> affliction where you, if you make things look easy and effortless, then it looks like you're not trying very hard. Uh, and then when things go poorly for you, people say, oh, well, he's not really busting his boiler. But I think that's, that's been his downfall. You know, Elliot's been in the system for seven years now. I think he's coming up to seven years, or by the end of his contract it will be. Um, He's uh, 200 centimetres. He's got a... His body's filled out. What is stopping him from, you know, really being a really good player? And and, uh, for mine, there's that that sort of... uh, I think work rate is one of the issues that I think he he could get better at. And so if that elevates... And he can work his backside off um, and be spoiling in the goal square defensively and then pushing forward and taking a mark offensively, which he proved on, on Friday night he can do that. He took two really nice marks, kicked a couple of goals. I think that's the, the next elevation for, for Elliot. Now, if that doesn't happen, if they decide to go with Riley O'Brien, Phil Thorpe, Taylor Walker and Darcy Fogarty, he's not going to play in Adelaide's forward line as a pure forward I don't think so then the next question you might ask yourself is can he become a key defender can he become a 200 centimetre defender and play on some of those big gorillas that you know teams now have in their forward line and that's probably the next thing that I if it doesn't turn out as a ruck forward um, that's the next thing I'd probably want to have a look at with Elliot Himmelberg you know, before you re-sign him again uh, to his next contract. Bix, we've got a bit to get through. Uh, Roach, before you jump in, text coming through. What about Sam Hayes? Six years in the system and no second effort. Who was the ruck coach at Port? We'll take that as a statement. Mark, speaking of questions, mm. uh, the Adelaide preseason ends on Thursday when they play West Coast. What are the remaining questions the Crows need to answer before they go into their round one game? I think this week they will just look be looking to try and settle the team. They, they'll probably try and pick their team as close as what they are hoping to, to roll out in round yeah. one. There might be one or two changes, but if they do decide to go with Phil Thorpe and and, uh, and Himmelberg, this would be the week to try it and go do, play a match against some some uh, opposition and see what it looks like. If you're going to go with Riley O'Brien, well, 
let's work out the split. What's it look like? Does Riley do 75% of the ruck? And if, if it's most likely Phil thought to see do 25, you really have to put some of those things to bed, I would say. Okay. Um, and the other thing is that they've, they've tried a lot of guys through the middle. So yep. we've seen Michelli, we've seen um, Rankin, Saligo, mm. uh, Pedler, Schomburg, yeah, Berry, Laird, lots and lots of guys. But yep. You're not going to. You're not probably going to have all of those guys. Sort of, yeah. Matt Crouch is another one you mentioned. You're not going to have all of those guys spend big minutes in there. So, I think they would be, be trying to sort of nail down what that looks like. And for me, the big one will be, you know, the split with Rankin. Uh, and if your other midfielders, if you're backing them in, do you need to have Rankin through the midfield when mm-hmm. he looks like every time he touches it in the front half, he's going to kick a goal? And mm-hmm. what I would say, if you don't need him up there, if you, if you want to back him. Berry and Saligo and, and a few others, keep him in the forward half, see if he can have 10 touches and kick five goals. And I reckon a small forward who kicks five goals is, is going to be better value than a, a mid forward who kicks two goals and has 22 touches. You know? I'll beg like, the so differ, I'll beg the differ those... with you there because I like his little bit of magic in the midfield and a little bit of leg speed. Need to move on to Port. We've got an ad break coming sure. up at the moment. Some people, Bix, are a bit disappointed with their performance against the West Coast. Uh, Particularly their forward movement, Mark. Sorry? Particularly their forward movement and inability to convert accurately. Yeah, and, and look, that's been... It <laughs> has been, yes. For, yeah. for as long as yes. you can remember, or yes. back probably three or four years. And and I know that they've worked a lot on that this mm. year. They, they've, they've done a lot of work, and I think a lot of AFL clubs have on offence this year. On the back of... I, I guess Geelong tweaking their offence last year, moving the ball a bit quicker, and then getting the ultimate result. I think everyone's thought, you know what, let's let's start to get on that tram as well. Mm. So they'd be disappointed that they didn't finish off a bit better, particularly when they've got, you know, plenty of players up forward. But uh, look, I think on the weekend, and we saw it with both Frio and Adelaide as well, at various stages, it was, there were, there were lots of mistakes. Players got tired. So I sort of see this as a bit of a, blow a bit of steam out of the pipes. Okay. And, and once again, I think it'll get turned up a fair bit this week for Port Adelaide. They play Frio, who, you know, were disappointing as well against Adelaide. They had probably a few more players out than Adelaide did, but, you know, Port Adelaide want to get away to a good start because mm. like they experienced last year, if you get away to a poor start, and I'll tell you what, their draw is pretty tough. Yeah. The pressure just builds from there and you get this sort of need to keep on winning and, and you know, they've got this other, uh, you know, the elephant in the room is, is Ken and, and what's going to happen with his contract. And I'll tell you what, if it gets halfway through the year and it looks like Port aren't sort of tracking all that well, that's only going to get sort of more intense. So getting away to a good start is, is very, very important to Port Adelaide. So I'd be, I'd be surprised if they didn't really turn up the heat this, uh, this Friday night against Rio. It's all starting to get it a is. little bit serious. I love it, Bix. Uh, who's on the show tomorrow morning with you and Walshy? I actually don't know. I haven't actually looked at the no, running it's sheet. Good that, it's good that you're invested of, in your new show. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. But I know we'll be talking uh, a little bit of cricket. We'll be doing uh, a review of across the weekend. And there were some other things we saw amongst the games as well uh, from the other stuff. But in terms of where we think the, the footy's heading, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Ooh, but okay. uh, just pure entertainment in the morning, Kimbo. I know you're a big fan and you too, Rooch, of Jared and his work. So yes. we'll, we'll continue on with that over the, um, yeah, uh, tomorrow beautiful morning. Beautiful answer, Bix. He's clearly deflected all the hard work to uh, Walshie. I can tell you, Daniel Drew will be on as a guest and there'll be someone from Adelaide United as well. Hey, good on you, Bix. We love you. Okay, see you, boys. See you, Mark.
All righty, text coming through before we go to a break. Kim and Michelangelo, is Miles Fitzner doing AFL commentary with AFL Nation in 2023? That's from uh, Jaden in Muralbark. Uh, yeah, Fitz will be calling. He'll be doing it from Melbourne where he's now residing, so he'll still be part of the coverage. We'll get to the other text shortly. We're live and interactive. This is Kimbo and the Rooch. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. 4.22. Hey, we've just heard from Cricket Australia in regards to the victorious women's World Cup team in South Africa. We're meant to yes. be having a guest yes. on just after 4.30. We've had 2BC, TBC, Roots, for about 24 hours. Well, they have been celebrating. 2B confirmed. Uh, we've got the word right. back. Yes. They, they are unable... To wake up that, any of the I girls at this stage. Yeah, I think we can understand. They're ringing every room and no one's picking up. No, so they would have had a very, very much well-deserved long night. They deserve to celebrate. Yeah, well, I understand, Rooch. I, I, know I we was going to tell you my story when we won the Escort Cup. You wouldn't let me. No, that's let that one pass. Well, I have heard a bit of it. Nothing untoward. No, but... Yes, right. I'm well, glad, I'm glad well, you were well, responsible at the end of it. Though. Well, I was responsible. Yeah. Well, it's no different. They're sleeping in the hotel room. Yeah. We had to park in the, what was it called? Uh, the Thebanon Tech just behind us. Yes, still there. Yeah, so yeah. that was the car park, which we would get prior to yeah, the at game. At least you weren't in the driver's seat. No, the final was there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I woke up, and, you know, I just thought I had a little rest. You had a crowd and, too, didn't you? Yeah, woke up in the front seat and um, and uh, school had started the next day and all these kids were looking through the front window. <laughs> what an impression. <laughs> uh, then we lost to Norwood the following Saturday. Yeah, Maybe so had something to do with it. Might have. Uh, just quickly, here's a text. Kimbo, does Jackson Hately go down as another Adelaide Football Club first round failure? Um, no. They got him for absolutely nothing. And he's not a failure yet. He no. may have an impact this year. Um, that was weird, wasn't it? Uh, Adelaide offered, what, pick 40 or something was like it that? Was 35 in the end? Something yeah, like GWS that. said, get no, stuff. So they got him for nothing. Mm, pre-season draft. Who, who won out of that deal? Hey, Roach. Wow. This is where you... Count that at the end. Well, we will. We're still juries out. Yeah. Uh, time for an Optus yes moment. Great business starts with yes. Search Optus business. The man to make the headlines, even though he didn't finish the game against Port Adelaide and West Coast with Travis Boak, who... Mm-hmm. By ambulance, was taken to hospital and found that after his collision with Big McGovern of West Coast, yep. gee, did hit the deck hard, didn't he? Yeah, then McGovern fell on top yeah, of him. Yeah, so he gets bit. bruised ribs and sore lungs and all that sort of stuff. And now we're waiting to see if he'll be okay to play against Fremantle. I think you'd rest him, wouldn't you? I would have thought so. Mm. He doesn't need a run, does no. he? I was quite surprised he played in that game, actually, mm. thinking. Travis, oh, but he's, he's always touch, super right? fit, isn't you he? Yeah. Now, do you remember a little more than a decade ago, Travis Boak had the brass band of the Geelong Football Club, led by Chris Scott, Joel Selwood, Jimmy Bartell, coming to Adelaide to court him, asking, would you please say yes to us and come to Geelong? I do remember. It was a big story. I was sitting on the news desk when it happened. He said yes to Port Adelaide instead, mm. along with... Jackson Trengove setting the agenda that they would all stay at Port Adelaide and dig themselves out of the trouble that Port Adelaide was in. Well, a decade on, Mm -hmm. okay, Geelong did win the premiership last year, but they didn't win one in the 10 years leading up to it. I don't think Travis Boak would have any question 
of reflection on that yes that he gave Port Adelaide, would he? Should build a statue for Travis. Absolutely. He's been an absolute ripper for your club. That was that's a great a, yes for Port Adelaide. That's a very good yes moment, Rooch. Uh, search Optus Business or call our dedicated business team today. Great business starts with yes. We'll go to a break and we'll keep ringing those Australian cricketers and hopefully someone will pick up the phone. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. Nearly 4.31, time for the 4.30 news, but let's live on the edge, Roots. Why not? I'm a rebel without a cause, a runaway terrain. Yes, We want to hear a little bit to Mitch Georgiades. Yes, I'm intrigued, a couple of issues there. Yeah, spoke on Perth Radio this morning with Mark Duffield, but there's a text here that says, Boys, Mm. Port are still full of questions after their trial game. I'm pretty confident we are in the 7th to 12th place bracket. We still seem to have the same challenges. That's from Phil. Uh, understand where Phil's coming from, but uh, I wouldn't base. I'd base very little on that trial game. The very unfortunate little. thing, though, Kim, is it didn't deliver some vision, some optimism that it is moving away from what's kept Port Adelaide in that. I appreciate that. Last year may have just been an ugly game. I, I thought. Might, I thought yeah, it was. Might be that. Uh, here's Mitch Georgiades talking about the development of Todd Marshall. Yeah, Toddy's been um, really building on last year as well. He's had a really strong pre-season, building his leadership as well. He's now also pretty much become that main focal point alongside Charlie of the four line where he's, he's really taken on some of that leadership and just his body work, his smartness around the crowd. He's, he's just a really smart footballer. So, yeah, he's, he's come a long way and I've been working a lot with him um, in the pre-season, which is, yeah, exciting. Hmm. Well, that's him talking to Mark Duffield on Perth, uh, SEN yep. Perth and his morning show. I uh, didn't realise his phone was so bad, Rich, but we want to hear this next bit. Because Mitch Georgiades is out of contract. We know that West Coast was attached to him. Now, how hmm. serious some of these stories are during the trade period, always intriguing. But I was fascinated this morning to read that there's the suggestion that Mitch Georgiades will not return to Western Australia. It's either Port Adelaide or a Victorian club. Well, this is Mitch on his contract negotiations. Well, we're in constant conversation with the club and right now I'm just focusing on just starting the year and just getting, for me, just playing some good footy and letting that sort of stuff take care of itself. I mean, I'm really enjoying my time here. We've got a really good group. Us young boys are really tight knit and like, the whole group is, I'm really optimistic about where we're going, not only this year but in the future. So, like I said, I'm just right now focused on getting through the start of pre-season and getting to the start of the year and going from there. Pretty standard answer. Didn't expect much more, did you? No, and he's an interesting point because I think he's at a point where his contract's clearly defined with Port Adelaide at the moment. He needs the first six weeks of the season to make Port Adelaide think, no, we need to put more on the table. All right, we're hopefully going to head to South Africa after the 4.30 news. We've rung through during the break. I've spoken to someone from housekeeping, and I believe they've thrown a bucket of water on Darcy Brown, Australian quick. Live across SEN, you're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. The 4.37 on a Monday afternoon. We're live from Studio Lumo SA, taking your text still on 0427 Now, we rang through the South yes. Africa, the victorious Australian team, housekeeping. 
threw a bucket of water on Darcy Brown. We thought we'd wake her up, but she's just rolled over and nodded off again, Roach. Oh, dear. That yeah. was a wasted call then. Well, no, we'll, we may still get her. Right. But talking of callers, let's go to the phones. Hello, John. Hi, Kim and Michael. Lovely to hear from um, you. The first time this year, John. Yeah, yeah, that's good, Michael. Yeah, Michael, I'm a little bit concerned. I heard on um, this morning on the radio that, um, what he was saying about, and he interviewed a lawyer from Melbourne. I'm a little bit concerned about... Um, the country clubs, how are they going to survive? They said they're going to go back 20-odd years mm. and could really raise billions of dollars. How are these clubs, you know, it's all right for the AFL. Like they've, got, they've got a graveyard full of money, but what about the country clubs and the other leagues around Australia? How, how in the hell are they going to survive? All right, so you're talking about an interview that Jared Waitley did with a lawyer regarding yeah. the concussion issues. That's right. And the... yeah. Oh, look, John, in March. John, some, yeah. of, some of those questions will ultimately get answered when the whole thing plays out about the insurance policies that the clubs had and mm. the doctors had. So I don't think you're going to see clubs go bankrupt. What you're going to see is the league uh, have to shell out a fair bit of money, as it did in the NFL. But the bigger issue will be the, the doctors and their indemnity insurance. Uh, mm. And this has got a long way to play, John, but... If you're concerned really like that, that all of a sudden you're going to have country clubs, country football clubs disappear because of the concussion issue, I think you'd be stretching that a mm. bit too far. And I've got a feeling it Correct. might, might yeah. happen in our lifetime, Johnny. It's going to drag out for a, a long, long, long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I realise it's going to take a few years. but um, And, and more, more than anything, John, there'll be a lot of settlements based around insurance policies. Mm. Oh, yeah, and the way they worded their contracts. Yeah, um, look, it, like it is, mm. it's a difficult one. The, the biggest issue in America with the NFL was that the NFL sent out so much false information that they made themselves vulnerable to those lawsuits. I don't think we mm. have any example of the AFL doing the same or any country league or any country football club. Mm. Mm. No, it's just a bit concerning. No, it it's, it's a serious court. issue. It's a very serious yeah. issue. It should be concerning. Uh, yeah, it is, but you know, they said it's going to go... Put a supreme port next month. Start mm. the wheels rolling. Oh, yeah. but well, like you said, yeah. it, it's going to be three, four years down the track. Longer, oh, further, longer than, than that, further John. Than that, Johnny. Don't let, the, don't let those lawyers speak here, Johnny. Good to hear from you, mate. No, we, no. we look forward to no, hearing from you again right mm. throughout the year. Hey, Roach, you broke the story a little bit earlier today that Jason Castagna announced his retirement from the Richmond Football Club. He's only 26 years of age. Here's part of his retirement speech. So boys, yep, I'm retiring. I'm going to try to get through as much of this as I can without getting too emotional. Um, it's a really tough decision for a number of reasons, um, but ultimately um, I've lost my love for the game of footy. Um, I love everything about this club and everyone here in it, which has been the thing that's made this decision the hardest of all. Uh, I had a lot of thoughts of guilt about retiring now before the season had even started. Um, the thought of letting people down and not being able to just kind of push through to the end of the year. But this game is such a demanding one physically and mentally and something I've given my all to since I first walked in the doors here and many years before that. Um, that now that I can't give that same energy to the sport that I loved, It'd make, it's made me realise that I don't be letting you boys down and the club down 
um, if I just coasted through and didn't give it my all to the end, um, which has led me to this call, one that I'm relieved about and really excited for the next chapter of my life. Um, getting up here and announcing my retirement is not something I ever really thought I would do. Kind of just would hope I could just get delisted and just, you know, <laughs> slip out of here. But oh dear, that would not be easy. It's a really, really brave and unselfish decision because Rich he'd also be walking away from four fifty to five hundred thousand dollars a year, possibly. Yeah, but that's the second time we've heard in less than four months a player say they have lost the love for the game. And that issue of the demands that are placed on AFL footballers at a time when you know, everyone has a crack at them about their effort or their skills or even some mm. of those text messages we've received today about players, it is very, very demanding. Yeah, and it looks like it's a lot of fun when you're out there and yeah. being should applauded be, should by be hundreds fun. of thousands, should be but fun. you're being yeah. judged yep. every single day. People and let's not mention social them. media, shall yeah. we? And what um, it does to them. Here's a separate text. I think Max Malakalani showed some good signs yep. uh, the other day. Mm. Yeah, there, there were a lot of good signs for Adelaide. But once again, it was just a uh, just a trial game. Just on that, um, with Port Adelaide, uh, Nathan Bassett. Bass, the hound dog. Coaching. I reckon once he finishes coaching, again. he's got a career in stand-up. There's no doubt about that. Fringe act? Fringe act, possibly, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is Bass. We love you, Nathan. Uh, talking about the players that stood out on Friday night. <laughs> yeah, I think in the forward line, I think Junior uh, getting through the game. I think Orazio getting through the game uh, unscathed. I think uh, Jason did some really good things through the midfield and it was a big improvement um, for him from last week. So I, I thought he was uh, very good. Uh, even Lockie Jones in the midfield, I think we're seeing some really good things from a, you know, a third-year player as well. Right, shall we deal with the text message, Kim? The question of Rioli and Fantasia. All oh, right, yep. And from the Crows, Rochelle and Rankin. All the R's. Raz. Yeah, there you are. Well yeah. done. Which, Raz and Rioli. Which pairing mm-hmm. will score more goals? What if you can guarantee for me that Fantasia will play 18 games? Just guarantee me 18. I'll go with Junior and Raz at Port Adelaide to win that duo contest. Okay. But yeah. you have to guarantee me that Fantasia plays. If he doesn't play 18 Rich, games... I don't have to do anything, you tell me. We've right. established that a long time ago. Yeah. There's no guarantees but in I mean life. in the context of this debate. I know what you're trying to say because yeah. you'll say they'll play more up forward and Rochelle and Rankin will have more time on the ball. So naturally you would expect that pairing at All Port right. Adelaide to hit the scoreboard more often. But there are no guarantees. I no. know it's a that's hypothetical. That's why it's hard to judge on this one. On face value, if you had to put your Italian mountains on this, which way would you go? Wow, because now there's the risk factor here of injury. This is from a text earlier wow. today. Yeah, it's well, look, text. looking at them, you'd say <coughs> Rioli and Fantasia should put more on the scoreboard. Should. But I've got this great asterisk on how many games they'll play together. It's an absolute ripping it's question. It's a great it's question. A but it's got, it's got a, a huge question mark on the fitness of Fantasia again, hasn't it? Uh, Bumfluff Benny. Roach has a lot of contacts all around the world. Yeah. We have been trying to get onto the Australian women's cricket team. You're sure, we're ringing the right hotel. Yeah, we're ringing the right hotel. We've had the bucket of water thrown on Darcy Brown. Ooh. Benny just got through to the concierge, oh. tried to talk him into just getting a lighter up to the uh, fire alarm. The uh, Yep, <sighs> so that will have to evacuate. He can't go to those lengths. No, he wouldn't do it for no, us. Don't blame him. So we're still trying to get someone. What we can do, though, is hear from the captain, Meg Lang- Lanning, after the victory. 
Oh, it's, a, it's a pretty special effort from the group. Uh, you know, all the teams came really hard at us. We, we knew that was going to happen. But to be able to perform so well throughout the tournament, super proud. Indeed, they are proud. And they, we should be proud of what they've achieved. Six of the... No, seven now, isn't it? No, six of the last eight. Six of the past eight, yeah. Right. And uh, we've got up on our Twitter handle at the moment, is the Australian women's cricket side the best Australian sporting team of all time? 45% people say yes, 55 say no. Mm. Well, who is the best? Bradman's Invincible still regarded as super team? Not sure. Mario's just text through, I will drink two slabs the day Rucci retires. Drink responsibly. Well, that's a good reason. Uh, let's, hear oh. from teammate, <laughs> let's hear from teammate Jess Johannesson. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can't go into a World Cup or a, a final not thinking that you're going to lift the trophy. Um, I mean, to South Africa's credit, they took it right to the end and um, the crowd here was absolutely amazing. Um, even though they weren't necessarily going for us, it was an incredible atmosphere and um, something that's really special to play in front of. There you are. Australia victorious again. Breach... On Wednesday, the third test gets underway at Indoor yes. in India. That changes our program, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. So we'll be on air from 12 to 2 p.m. That will be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, if it can go for three days, surely. Let's hope so. Surely we can acclimatise and adjust to the pitches, no matter how good or bad they are. Well, I'm seeing all the photographs and the reports from the Australian journalists who have made an art of describing Indian mm. squares are saying this one's red clay with green in the middle. Here's another text come through. Roots, Fantasia won't play more than half the season again if he's lucky. See, he's lost the confidence of everyone. Okay. Uh, part of the SEN commentary team, Borat Sundarasan, he's yes. an absolute ripper. He, he is, is. Uh, known as the world cricket guru. Mm. Dresses with a lot of colour. A lot of colour. Where's the happy pants? Yes. <laughs> uh, he sat down with Mitch Stark. Now, oh. this goes for four and a half minutes, but it's an interesting chat. Let's okay. have a listen to the Australian quick. Let's start. Thanks for speaking to SCN. How's the finger? Yeah, it's all right. It's good enough. Um, good to go. Available for selection. Um, <laughs> it's a test match, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's always going to be good enough. Uh, I mean, two weeks ago in uh, Delhi, you said you had a few boxes that needed to be ticked. Do you think you've ticked most of those boxes now and you feel better now? Yeah, I think I said back then it was progressing um, slowly and probably... Slower, slower than I would have liked, but I'm, I'm quite impatient in that regard. So, um, yeah, it's still progressing. It's it's um, it's progressed uh, enough to be really comfortable um, with playing, and, and um, I still feel like I was available last week if, uh, if required on that wicket. That's um, you're having the extra week to um, get the head around the, I guess, the comfort levels of the finger and. and and tick off a few more sessions of, of um, skill execution and whatnot. So it's really helped as well. So, yeah, in a, in a good position, and hopefully I can, if called upon, play a, a role with this team. Uh, was there a moment uh, in the Nets in the last few weeks where you felt like, all right, I'm ready? I mean, I can do this pain, no pain? I certainly felt ready last, or before the before the last test. It wasn't a, wasn't a case of not being um, mentally prepared or physically prepared. Um, fact that I wasn't required last week just gave that opportunity for another week to, to, to progress and, and to um, I guess get accustomed to some of the discomfort so yeah I certainly felt like I was ready to go um, physically and mentally before the last test um, but yeah to, to give it an extra week of, of time in the nets um, a few more sessions of bowling and, and gym work is always, always nice as well but um, yeah it's in a good place. Uh, 
you've done this before, but just coming into the series and compared to like starting the series with Australia 2-0 down, uh, how do you look where the series is and what you can do and still achieve from the series you know, before you get back home? Yeah, still plenty, plenty to achieve. Um, I mean, we haven't yet lost the series, so still an opportunity to to, to draw the series um, and to win a couple of Test matches is still a, is still uh, nothing to go unspoken about. It's, it's not an easy place to come and play, as as uh, India's home record would suggest. Um, so still plenty to play for in this series and also for the World Test Championship to obviously cement that. Um, be nice to finish on top as well. Um, so yeah, and then I guess some. some personal ones along the way for the guys to, to, to continue to, to develop their cricket in foreign conditions and some foreign conditions so um, there's certainly plenty of plenty of things we can achieve through, through these last two tests uh, I mean you and Pat go back a, a long way I mean these are moments when you realise that there's more to life than a game of cricket uh, just uh, you know you've been in similar positions as well how difficult is it to deal with it and how happy are you that he is there with family right now yeah, it's it's um, it's not an easy one. It's uh, you know it's it's hard enough being in the same country in bubbles and and trying to get your head around playing international cricket whilst your mind can sometimes wander back home. So um, for him to have the opportunity, obviously after the last test to duck home, things um, sadly haven't haven't um, improved, I guess. So for him to have that opportunity to be around family um, is exactly where he needs to be. It's it's. Um, I mean, I can only speak personally. It was hard enough um, trying to think about bowling and, and get your mind away from home. Um, sometimes it's a good distraction, um, but in the quieter times or times off, it's not great. So for him to have to captain as well and, and to, to juggle all the extra um, responsibilities that come with that, um, he, he, was, he, he handled that exceptionally well in Delhi, but, but now he's exactly where he needs to be, which is with him. Uh, and just finally, Mitch, uh, another World Cup medal coming home. Um, do you need an extra room for these? Uh, they're just piling on, aren't they? Well, I have to buy a new house. Um, <laughs> no, look, it's another one to, to our collection. I, I'm going to keep yes. calling it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 they were phenomenal last night again. Um, another phenomenal World Cup. The, the record is incredible. Um, 13 World Cups across both formats. is, is um, It's double what, what the, the Aussie men have done. So... Um, they're this in, an incredible outfit to to dominate world cricket like they have for a long time, home and away. Pressure moments, they keep finding ways to win. Uh, just another special moment for for Aussie girls, and, and I'm sure they'll celebrate accordingly. Thanks, Mitch. Go well. Thank you very much. There we go, Mitch Stark. Uh, interesting. We've got the poll going. Is the Australian women's cricket side the best Australian sporting team of all time? Forty-four percent of people say yes. Fifty-six percent say no. I was just listening to Mitch then and just scrolling through different responses, Rooch. Pretty hard to argue that the Australian women's cricket team is not the greatest. I'd like to get a list together of who we're comparing this. I'd still have those. Well, you posed the Rick question. Charlesworth, Hockey Roos in there. The Bradman Invincibles are worth considering. It'd be interesting how you'd look at some of the Australian Davis Cup teams. Some of those were remarkable mm. for the way in which they stood up against yeah. the Americans. Talking teams as well. We had a text come through earlier about Melbourne Storm. To have a look at their record. Yeah, okay. They've been very well, good While we're as well. on the cricket, congratulations to everyone in the world game, particularly by Friday evening. Even Joe Reid, his, his message was extraordinary of just their support of the Australian captain, Pat Cummins, for the issues that have brought him back home to Australia. And, and shame on those who actually towed up Pat for 
as if he was abandoning the Australian team. Mm. He's hardly doing that. And he's got a serious reason to be back in Australia. Shouldn't give oxygen to those people. Yeah, but some of the people just, just don't think when they speak on this stuff. Media, oh, it's they horrendous. don't care, Roach. They don't it's care. Horrendous. But, uh, I look, saw one where they put up Paddy Dangerfield yeah. when he was announced as captain and they had him looking as a 60-year-old man and then someone yeah. underneath it said it looked like me. <laughs> I didn't think that really? was kind. And then Mike Dobbin commented from, again, real estate. He said his hair's not red enough. Oh, dear. It's coming from the two-paid warrior. I, I, um, I see where he's described as a first-time captain. Is that paying a disservice to the memory that he actually was a captain at Adelaide? I mean, I know it was diff- different circumstances, but he did captain Adelaide for a year, didn't he? With, did he? Yeah, he was a joint captain for Adelaide for a year. Was he? Yeah. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. Was he really? Yes. Him and Sloaney were captains together. People just seem to forget that he's had leadership. In I forgot. <laughs> yeah, here's a text. The Aussie cricket team have as much chance of drawing the series in India as the West Coast have of making AFL finals in 2023. Oh. Matt in Brisbane. <laughs> I like that, Matty. Right. Thanks for all the input. We'll be back again tomorrow. Roach, uh, have a great Monday evening. Good night, everyone.